Equipoise Podcast. Today's episode, Bodies, Bands, Babies, and Bad Arguments. I drove by a protest today. It hit differently than I think it normally would have. Maybe it was because it was in my town, or maybe because it's so close to the leaking of the Supreme Court's upcoming decision to return abortion laws to the states, or maybe it's because I saw a little girl, probably close to 11 years old, carrying a pro-abortion sign down the sidewalk. I thought quite carefully about how I'm going to handle this topic in less than 10 minutes, or if I should even tackle it at all. I mean, after all, I can't answer objections and navigate the issue with much nuance and care in 10 hours, let alone 10 minutes. But I do want to toss a few thoughts your way as we pursue a balanced view on one of the most polarizing topics of our time. So what I'm not going to do is go into all the statistics surrounding abortions, nor am I going to delve deeply into the social and axiomatic aspects of the discussion, Um, racial inequality, potential flourishing, you know, the Tim Tebow argument, and possible slash probable physical and psychological problems for the mother. I also made the very painful decision to not appeal to the Bible in this discussion for the following three reasons. One, because most, but not all, pro-abortion activists have made it clear they don't care what the Bible says. Two, because many scriptures have already been misconstrued and misused to justify abortion. Uh, And I don't have time to discuss those here, but I will post them in the show notes. And three, because I believe that the personhood of the unborn does not need any external justification, but rather that it is self-evident and backed by scientific observation. But like I said, I'll include some of the extra cutting room floor pros and notes in the show notes. It's going to be packed with stuff, so please take a look. So what are we going to do with the remaining eight minutes of this podcast? Well, I want to try to stay in the lane of balance, spotting and responding to common fallacies and value statements employed in this arena so that we might have more balanced and reasoned discussions as opposed to heated or emotional debates or arguments as these things often turn out to be. Let's begin with one of the more easy fallacies to spot and correct. Today, one of the picket signs I saw said, Don't like abortion? Don't have one. At first, it seems all too sensible and quite simple, but this idea crumbles when one recognizes the logical fallacy in this all-too-common argument. It equates a universal ethical and moral issue with an issue of personal preference. Imagine saying, don't like murder? Then don't kill someone. Or, don't like theft? Then don't steal. We would say, that's crazy talk. But you see, substituting this word abortion for other ethical and moral considerations exposes the fallacy behind this overused aphorism. In fact, some of the more elongated forms of this argument lead with, don't like cars, don't drive one, don't like Nebraska, don't live there, and so forth, leading up to what they believe will be a death knell for pro-lifers everywhere. If you don't like abortion, you don't have to have one. I'll let Petra Wallenmeyer sum this one up with the following quote. The pro-life person does not merely dislike abortion. We are not against abortion because it makes us feel bad or icky or because we don't prefer that choice. I am not against abortion in the same way I am against vanilla ice cream. There are no moral considerations that go into choosing a favorite ice cream flavor or avoiding the flavor we do not like. The pro-life viewpoint is that abortion is a grave moral wrong, end quote. So this line of reasoning fails quite miserably when it's actually examined. Another common picket sign reads, No uterus, no opinion. Although this approach is losing steam in a culture that states that those born without uteruses can indeed be women, it nonetheless still makes an appearance from time to time. This is an awfully obvious fallacy of sexism. The value statement is that, as a man, I am not allowed to have an opinion on abortion. However, have you noticed that this does not seem to apply when the non-uterus havers are pro-choice? 
In fact, a recent social media post by a pro-abortion woman stated that this argument shouldn't be used because of that factor and because it is, quote, divisive and exclusionary, end quote. I won't spend any more time on this one because I think and hope it's seen its day in the sun. Related to this, however, is the awkward chant that uh, we won't allow old white men to dictate what a woman can do with her body, despite the fact that it's not her body she's desiring to dismember alive, but that's another argument completely. Interestingly, I haven't heard this argument in a while, probably because the ones who approved Roe v. Wade were all old white men, and the ones who desire to overturn it include a woman and a black man. Another increasingly prevalent argument arises from a stated concern about bodily autonomy. Some of the picket signs that I saw today read as follows. Bodily autonomy is gender equality and bans off my body. The latter of these is the motto of a recent Planned Parenthood campaign, apparently featuring nude women on its paraphernalia along with this slogan. On its face, the statement makes sense. Who wants the government telling people what they can and can't do with their bodies? I mean, would men want the government forcing them to have a vasectomy? Well, there you go. Well, first let's address the more glaring fallacy, bans off my body. What bans are on your body particularly? If by banning my body you mean you are prohibited by law from doing something you want to do with your body, then the same logic would apply to literally any law in America. <laughs> Imagine it. You want to punch your friend because, well, he's not your friend anymore because he stole your soda. Well, you do so, and while being arrested, you chant, Bans off my body! I support bodily autonomy! Turns out, what you're really desiring is government indifference to moral issues so as to allow you to do whatever you wish to do without consequence. Here's what I mean. Even in a hyper-libertarian society like the one for which they're chanting, there remains a need for laws that protect life. No one, I imagine, would enjoy the apocalyptic hellscape like the ones featured in the fictional Mad Max movies or the more recent film Book of Eli. No, we all want law and order and protection of life. I would love to drive my car at 120 miles an hour in a small neighborhood. Not really, but for the sake of the illustration. But there are moral reasons why I cannot. I might hurt others. I might hurt myself. I might damage property. The value of life and even property outweighs my desire to do what I want. So there is a law in place that legislates that decision that tells me what I can and can't do with my body, my gas pedal, my car, because there is a moral issue at play. While we're on the topic, the refrain that you can't legislate morality is frankly short-sighted and ridiculous. Morality is, in fact, the foundation upon which all laws are made, encompassing everything from speed limits to death penalties. Even the original Hippocratic Oath contained a phrase that prohibited abortion because it was clear that this was something harmful and contrary to the oath to first do no harm. It was the United States Supreme Court which declared in its McGowan v. Maryland decision nearly every criminal law on the books can be traced to some religious principle, end quote. Laws exist to protect life. And yes, this obviously means that we don't get to do things we want to do sometime. If you want to call this a ban on your body, that's a little weird, but okay. I also saw this meme today. It states the following. The $500 pandemic stimulus child credit excludes pregnant women. All it took was being asked to open their wallets for the GOP to admit unborn fetuses aren't really children, end quote. This logical quagmire received nearly 25,000 upvotes on Reddit, as well as myriads more on Twitter. What's wrong with this statement? Well, let's think about it. What was the stimulus for? Um, shelter, food, clothes, so forth. Does the baby need any of those? No. Come on. The fact that this meme received so much positive feedback with so little critical analysis is at once both unsurprising and terrifying. Uh, really quickly, by way of simple thought experiment, if we're going to be consistent on what's considered life or at least potential life, it shouldn't even matter if an unborn child is alive in order to be protected. Here's why. In Maine, it's against the law to kill a bird of prey. As a result, its eggs are also protected. Um, so if it's immoral to break a bald eagle egg, even though it's still something that could end up in 
my frying pan on the grounds of it potentially and eventually becoming a fully formed bald eagle, how is it acceptable to sidestep this logic with humans? It's just not logically consistent. Lastly, I want to mention a post I saw from a friend of mine. It was a copy and paste thing, you know, stating that they're not pro-murdering babies, but rather pro-life because they're pro-Becky who had a dying child or pro-Susan who was sexually assaulted and so on. It sounds very noble, but when one considers that between 94 to 98 percent of all abortions are not necessary for the health of the mother, health of the child, or carried out as a result of rape or incest, this grand gesture of humanitarian kindness loses a ton of its intended force. It ends up that most abortions are simply because two people chose to have sex and do not want to face the consequences of their decisions. I know that sounds harsh, but when you put it that way, it brings some much-needed honesty to the discussion. And I think the discussion of abortion to save the mom is a much more sensitive topic and worthy of discussion. So I grant those 2 to 6% for the sake of the argument. Let's focus on the vast, overwhelming majority of abortions and see if we can tackle those first. So I hope that will help us have more balanced conversations about a very polarizing topic. If you're wondering about some sources for some of my numbers, they're all going to be in the show notes. Until next time, stay balanced.